when I was seven years old, I made my parents throw me a Sherlock Holmes themed birthday party. <laughs> Hello, my name is Susie Yusuf. And my name is Alexi Toliopoulos. And this is the Big Film Buffet, where we serve a three course feast of movies inspired by today's film, which is Anola Holmes. We'll begin the way every good meal does with a perfectly paired starter, a classic piece of motion picture history that will prepare your palate for our film du jour. Then we'll carve into the main meal the Netflix flick of the week that will always be hard to say. <laughs> and we'll finish up with a sweet suggestion of films that complement the main course because we know you'll want a little more. It's pretty important that we distinguish who is who. So I am Susie Yusuf. <laughs> and I'm Alexi Toliopoulos. And if you can't tell our voices apart, all you need to really know about us is that we're comedy pals, mm-hmm. we've known each other for a while. I think we've definitely formed our friendship over like just talking about movies. We love talking about actors together. So I'm very excited that we get to do this together every week. So am I. This is barely work. Apart from all the preparation. (laughs) The immense amounts of preparation we have to do, being forced to watch these movies week to week. We train for this. Mm -hmm. We eat healthy. We get up early. This morning, you even had cereal. Yes, I had cereal for the first time in 17 years, I think. (laughs) I had had a lovely puffed wheat treat for breakfast. Also known as rice bubble? I had a rice bubble-esque meal. White chocolate cocoa pops. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is a new item, I believe, from the grocery store. You waited 17 years and that's your <laughs> entry back into the cereal. It's like, I got to try these white chocolate Cocoa Pops. <laughs> I got to try them. Which milk did you use? I used like a normal cow milk type thing. Okay. A skim, perhaps, a light milk of some kind. Wow, showing off your lactose tolerance. <laughs> but a splash. I Just didn't want to splash. risk it before no, no, record day. Totally. I can't, but I also, I, you know, I'm not the biggest milk guy. I've never drunk milk from You've a glass. you never had a glass of milk? Never. I don't plan to. It terrifies me. It's probably pretty important to point out at this point that we won't be talking about food during this podcast. It's not a food podcast. It's a movie podcast mm-hmm. because in many ways, Alexi and I were brought up by movies. Did oh we have parents? Yes. Yes. Did they put us in front of a television most of the time? Also, Absolutely, yes. yes. My mother is my source of cinema love. <laughs> my mother showed me too many movies that I should not have seen at the time. Yeah, I feel damaged by some of the films that I saw growing oh. up. It explains so much of who we are. Yeah, definitely. It really does explain a lot about you. We should get on to the first film of the day. So. <laughs> Let's move on to Enola Holmes. Let's roll the tape. Now, where to begin? My mother named me Enola, which backwards spells alone. And yet, we were always together. And it was wonderful. She was my whole world. Which leads me on to the second thing you need to know. A week ago, I awoke. Mother? To find that my mother was missing, and she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes. The famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all the answers. Enola. A wild woman brought up a wild child. Who will make her acceptable for society. She seems intelligent. There are two paths you can take, Enola. Yours, or the path others choose for you. It is time to find my mother. The game is afoot. (laughs) You progressed nicely. Is she safe? She's our company. I'm Viscount Tewkesbury. Her useless boy. (laughs) 
to help me. I'm not ready to die on a train. I'm not ready to die at all, and I was going to before I met you. What are you planning, Mother? She always had a reason for everything. Her own way of doing things. Perhaps she wants to change the world. Perhaps it's a world that needs changing. I think that is a very charming trailer. I think it's a great trailer. I think any trailer that has celebrity skin by Holt, that is mm. that is a good trailer. In it's my book. a banger. Absolute banger. And it kind of sets the tone for this what should be a lovely, charming period piece adventure with like this very cool, modern, contemporary edge to it. Oh yeah. You can tell right off the bat that Enola Holmes is a genre mashup. And I think that's what I liked about it so much. But also what made it so difficult for us to pick our first paired meal what our start is going to be today because Enola Holmes is all of these things. It's a teen film. It's an adventure movie. It's a mystery investigation. It has all these great themes of mothers and daughters and family. And I struggled to come up with something, but once we did, yeah. I thought that there could not be a better pairing than no, this. No, this is the only place to start. So our starter for today is... Matilda. I can't look... Is he going to puke? Without a doubt. There are so many iconic scenes in this film. I will never forget the moment where Brucey is in front of the class <laughs> and he has to eat the cake that the Trunchbull has put down. That enormous chocolate mud cake, that image is burnt into my brain. I reckon it's my first memory. It's when I switched on for the first time. <laughs> it's also, it set the bar so high for mm. what cakes should look like. Yes, and they it, should make you feel sick but delighted at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it should be a goal. Once you get to the end of that, you've achieved something. Thing. I don't think I've ever been able to recreate that cake. If you had to, mm. have you ever been able to do it? I've tried, Susie. I've tried. I once bought 15 Woolworths mud cakes and mixed them up with just a, probably a litre of melted butter. <laughs> just mixed them up, crushed them together. Like it was basically a giant cake pop that then I just poured like a chocolate custard on top. Oh, you've gone too far. And yes, you know, this is slightly exaggerated, uh, but not much. <laughs> not much. I did try to create something like this. And I'll tell you, I was sick. You ate the whole thing? I ate the whole thing, Brucey style. Eat 15 cakes. <laughs> okay, the number of cakes was exaggeration, but my <laughs> preparation was to the T how I prepared it. And yeah, I felt absolutely ill. I'm still recuperating, I think. <laughs> Directed by the iconic filmmaker Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito, also starring Danny DeVito. Oh, my Lord, and it really does star him. It really does star him. It features him heavily. I know so much about Danny DeVito. How much do you know about Danny DeVito? I reckon I could answer any question you have about Danny DeVito. Okay, where was he born? New Jersey. Okay, correct. That's very good. Uh, how many kids does he have? He has one beautiful daughter. Um, I'm sure that one of them <laughs> is beautiful. And seven sons. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm guessing. Can you just name three Danny DeVito movies? Yes, Danny DeVito has directed directed the movie Duplex, starring Drew Barrymore, Ben Stiller. Danny DeVito also directed Death to Smoochie, Edward Norton, Robin Williams. He has also directed the movie Hoffa, starring Danny DeVito and Jack <laughs> Nicholson, his best friend. Those they're are just movies he's directed. Are they best friends? They're best friends. Their families co-owned or used to work together in New Jersey at a beautician. Wow. So beauty is in both their blood. Okay, you're very good, fine. This is, to me, a very specific genre masterpiece. 
because Danny DeVito in the 1990s, this is going to sound crazy if you weren't around for it at all. <laughs> Danny DeVito was such a major motion picture star oh, yeah. that he owned an entire genre as both a filmmaker, producer and star, which was black comedies, where he could just get them made. And he directed a bunch of them. He produced a lot, including Pulp Fiction. Yeah. So we got a lot to thank for Danny DeVito for oh, starting independent so cinema. Danny, we bow down we at bow you. bow down to you, Danny. <laughs> this is also a film that has a killer soundtrack, mm-hmm. a lot of magic in it. It's something that I used to play the soundtrack over and over again at home. And I used to open and close the blinds. Oh. I would have it tied to my wrist so that they would open and close as I danced. Oh. And my little sister was terrified. She was absolutely terrified <laughs> God, by this. You put your sister through the chokey. I totally put her through the chokey, <laughs> the metaphorical chokey. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's awful. You're a bit of a Matilda yourself. I think what Danny DeVito does in this is something that I find so important when I go back and look at like childhood movies that really resonated mm. with me is that he kind of invents this this genre which is like a like a very specific translation of like black comedy yep. with like tinges of horror for children. And caricature that's always overdone yes. but works. And it works like the way that everything feels heightened. Like mm. for kids, I think this is such a beautiful introduction to something that's like kind of pushing their comfort zone a little bit. Yep. Something that's a little left soft but is still cushioned in like all this nice kind of family gooeyness. He plays Matilda's father. Uh, Rhea Perlman plays M- Matilda's mother. Uh, Matilda has a brother. They None of the family appreciate her at all. She's sent to a horrible school with a horrible principal called Miss Trunchbull, played by Pam Ferris, who is amazing. Mm. And she basically tortures her and all of her classmates. But there is the kind-hearted teacher, Miss Honey, um, who basically encourages the very intelligent Matilda to use her powers. Mm, literally and she, figuratively. She literally has telekinetic powers. I must say this. i got to get this on the record right now while we're recording. I think that this is the kids' version of Carrie. You have a lot of strong thoughts on Roald Dahl adaptations as well because the Americans often mm-hmm. do their adaptation of these British classics you got a couple of thoughts there. I've got a few thoughts on them. I love them. I think that there's something so universal about Roald Dahl's writing, that kind of charm, that mm-hmm. kind of like... Uh, grotesque wholesomeness that he does where it's like this take on like this childhood sweetness but there's always like this little grubbiness underneath it and I think that it works so well in the translation of an English text coming to America and making it so universal but also making it like this weird little storybook world. Yes. These work so well as like modern fairy tales. Absolutely. They're, they're kind of horrifying but there's always a lesson. Also this is another example where the female lead is really powerful and smart, which is why we've chosen it for our starter today. Myra Wilson plays Matilda in the film, and this is in the era where she's done Mrs. Doubtfire, mm-hmm. and she's just nailing everything. One of the biggest child stars in the world, and I think this is a lovely, precocious performance by her. The dynamics between her and her parents are set up so well, where her dad and her mom are like these shysters, these grubs. These total idiots. Yeah, and they just have no respect for her. They just don't connect with her at all. And I think DeVito and Rhea Perlman are so perfect, perfect. in this they're just like capture that like that essence of slime and selfishness whereas Matilda is like full of warmth and heart and like wants the best for people and I think that we must talk about Miss Trunchbull yes that is one of the great iconic villains for me in cinema and the Pam Ferris is terrifying that performance is so powerful and how heightened it is and how 
funny it is. I think it grabs that balance that, you know, is very rare for like a character like this to be genuinely scary and genuinely funny. And all the tension that this character creates is either relieved through the scares or through the humour. And the humour can be really dry at times or really overt. There's this moment where Miss Honey <laughs> is teaching the kids how to spell and she's teaching them how to spell Mississippi and she's yeah. saying Mrs. M, Mrs. I. And the trunchbull walks in and just yells, why are all these women, women married? <laughs> it's just perfect. It's so perfect. It's such a good line. I think what makes Matilda be one of those childhood classics that mm-hmm. kind of resonates still to this day why people have holding such fondness is because it really is one of those great films that kind of sums up those childhood feelings of belonging and needing yes. to find your place in this world and it ties it all in like this beautiful idea of like a chosen family of mm-hmm. maybe the people you're born with are not the people that you're meant to be with the people that you call your family but you will find someone out there that will nurture you will hold you and will cherish you yes so this film is a perfect starter as a mischievous female heroine who is smart and daring and adventurous and it's a very irreverent adaptation. Another beautiful example of that is our film du jour which is Enola Holmes. Netflix describes this movie as while searching for her missing mother, intrepid teen Enola Holmes uses her sleuthing skills to outsmart big brother Sherlock and help a runaway lord. I mean, I'm sold. (laughs) Absolutely, I'm I'm sold. It's directed by Harry Bradbeer, who you would know from Fleabag, Mm -hmm. one of my favourite series ever. And it stars the excellent Millie Bobby Brown, Henry Cavill, Sam Claflin and Helena Bonham Carter. But a huge shout out to one of my favourite actors who you would have seen in Killing Eve. Fiona Shaw. Mm, most famous for Aunt Petunia as well in the Harry Potter films. Yes. This is an amazing performance from her, great supporting villainous character. So good. So this is kind of an investigation film. It's a detective film, as the title would lead <laughs> us to think. Um, but it's kind of taking the classic story and handing the baton to this incredible young character who is really badass from the mm. beginning. I would have loved to have had this movie as a kid because I was obsessed with Sherlock Holmes and detectives and stuff. Every detective that was based on Sherlock Holmes, I'm talking freaking Columbo, Adrian Monk, all of that stuff. I was obsessed with that. I wanted to be a detective so bad as a kid. When I was seven years old, I made my parents throw me a Sherlock Holmes-themed birthday party because <laughs> I just wanted it to be it so bad. Did I had like the, I had a little deer skin cap with the little <laughs> flaps on my ears and I had a little pipe, a little plastic pipe, yes. which I think was just... Now that I'm thinking about it, it was one of those little teaspoon measuring cup things. <laughs> it just held a tablespoon of liquid in it. And did you have any games at the time that were like mystery games? Mm, I played Mr. Sherlock Holmes himself and my dad was Watson and my dad set up this entire little mystery around for us to find. It was basically an egg hunt. Wow. And it was beautiful. I you know this I think this movie really like nails all of those elements as well. Something that I found upsetting about this film was to realize that Millie Bobby Brown plays 16-year-old Enola Holmes, that she herself is 16 years old and that she produced the film. Oh, God, don't you feel ancient? Oh, I don't feel like I've achieved anything is what has happened. <laughs> what were you doing when you were 16? Not anything worthwhile. <laughs> she is brilliant. This is such an incredible example of these powerhouse women that are coming through Hollywood at the moment. I loved Millie Bobby Brown's performance in this and I think that she works so well with the director, who is Harry Bradbeer, as I mentioned before. 
she does break the fourth wall a few times in the film where she talks directly to camera, but it works. Mm, it works. You were saying that it reminded you a lot of Fleabag, yeah, the director's the... previous work. Exactly. And I adored Fleabag. You... How did you feel about Fleabag? I've not seen it. You haven't seen Fleabag? I don't watch TV very much. That's fair enough. I How come would you have home... time when you digest 20 movies a day? I Basically, I can watch a movie, at least a movie every day. Wow. I'm trying to break my record and watch a movie at all times. I'm going to get Google Glass. <laughs> I can just always be watching a movie in one eye. The rest of the eye is looking around the world. I agree. I always like have this thing about the fourth wall where it's broken, where a character talks directly to the audience. So I try and figure out, like, what is the purpose of this? Why are they doing this? I always go the films like Wayne's World's my big example of this. <laughs> it's a great example. My, it's all my go-to example because you've got two characters that break the fourth wall to address the audience. They yep. do it for different purposes. Wayne is always there with confidence to present and like show off this world that we live in uh, to the audience. Yes. And also Garth is there to confide and to confess. So I go in with like that in mind, like how does she talk to it? And it's a great encapsulation of this character because it's said throughout the movie probably countless times that Enola is alone back Backwards, yes. and she feels very alone. It's just her and her mom and the people that work at the house. Well, she doesn't feel alone until her mother leaves, and that's a huge moment in the film, and it kind of emphasises that feeling of being a solo traveller on this journey. Yeah, and I think that's what this is saying, is like that... You know, she doesn't have friends around her. She is alone. And so when she addresses the camera, when she addresses the audience, it is like with this kind of fun, friendly vibe where it feels like she's connecting directly to the audience as we're her only friends. Totally. She's inviting someone into the story and she does it in a really good way. She's exceptional in this. Yeah, I think it's done with such humour. There's a great moment, which is my favourite break on the fourth wall, where she is in a fight scene and she's got her head pushed into some water and she's being drowned. And then we see her face and she just winks, showing us that, no, I'm just playing dead, gets up and gets the upper hand. I love that moment. It was done with such good humour in like a really kind of dark and twisted way. Spoiler alert, she doesn't die. Spoiler alert, Enola Holmes does not die in Enola Holmes. No, and I'm so glad that she doesn't because it feels like the beginning of a whole series of adventures for this character. There is a moment where we leave the English countryside and we head into London, grubby Mm. London, beautiful Beautiful palette of colours there with London. <laughs> you came alive seeing oh, this. Oh, gosh, I just love that muted palette. It's my favourite thing. Susie, you've been to London a many times in your life. I've been to London many times. Did this feel like the London that you love? This felt like a portrait of London and I very much enjoyed it. Again, the colouring is something I really love, that kind of washed out grey. Mm-hmm. Um, when will the sun ever come out again, London? <laughs> those dark alleyways, that industrial vibe, those big warehouses. Mm. Like it's so grubby in the best possible way. You, But you haven't been to London. I've never been to London, I believe that I have seasonal disassociative disorder where grey skies make me feel grey. Grey skies make this guy feel grey. <laughs> I think that as well, the, the London of this movie is really fun because it kind of captures, not unlike Matilda, that kind of like fairy tale storybook vibe totally of like great. this caricatured London where everyone's like, oh, hello, love, you know, we go buy fish from here, here's the news, here, here, we got a report here saying that women are equal now Oh, I think that's crazy. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. <laughs> what do I say of the Megan? <laughs> Come on, love. Join me with an accent. There are, there, are le- there are definitely less rats than in most films about London. Mm. There's only maybe one rat featured. 
I have to say that Enola seems to adjust to London life very quickly mm. for a 16-year-old who's never left her country house. She gets her corset. I think what I'm saying is I'm jealous that <laughs> I am, you know, in my mid-30s and Heathrow still scares me and I haven't quite dealt with Spanx and she puts on a corset <laughs> and gets into London and she's fine. Yeah, well, it sounds like she's been mentally preparing for her whole life and it sounds she like has. you've been avoiding it. <laughs> this 16-year-old is more adjusted than I am. That's fine, it's fine. <laughs> It's okay, Susie, they're fictional. (laughs) There's a couple of really beautiful relationships in this film and the central one is the mother-daughter relationship between the mother character played by Helena Bonham Carter and Millie Bobby Brown with Enola Holmes. She was not an ordinary mother. She didn't teach me to string seashells or practice my embroidery. We did different things. Reading. Science. Sports. All sorts of exercise, both physical and mental. Yeah, and because it's the central relationship that the entire film hinges on, it's important for them to build that chemistry together. Yeah. You love seeing them together. You want them to be together. And then the whole movie sets up that you need to see them get back together again because the whole movie is about them not being together. Yeah, and it feels like the relationship is dangerous, but it also works. Mm. It feels dangerous in an exciting way, not in a detrimental or abusive way. Yeah, it leaves you with that yearning to see them reunite. So you're on board with Enola the whole time. You understand why she needs to be on this journey to find her mother, reunite her family. Yeah, exactly. There's this really lovely mother-daughter thing where we see that uh, Enola as a younger girl is like exemplified by having like this little porcupine that she's made out of uh, pine cone and she would drag it around with her. She called it Dash. Her mother has saved it for her whole life and it kind of comes back in this really like meaningful way. You don't get to see the mother character as being terribly sentimental because she is this kind of like harebrained mad woman who does these experiments and teaches Enola how to play tennis indoors. Mm -hmm. It's like everything's being broken or there's these fight scenes being played out. The education of this child is questionable at best Mm. but it's exciting. It just really sets up that this is a different sort of education that the Mm. mother is giving her daughter. Susie, you and I love talking about actors. This movie's got a great monster cast of some great British character actors. Yes. Let's round them up. Okay, so Sam Claflin plays the mean brother, Mycroft Holmes. He's kind of like this nasty counterpart from another world. He's like the villain of this movie, basically. And we're used to seeing Sam as this... Sam, we're on a first name basis. Mm. We're used to (laughs) seeing him as this romantic leading man, but he's actually really great as the villain character. And you do hate him, but he plays it really, really well. Mm. Um, He has a great line in it where Enola says that she doesn't want to get married and he says well that's another thing that we need to educate out of you and you're just like damn you're a beast dude (laughs) you beast Uh, can we spend about 500 weeks talking about Fiona Shaw in this movie that won't be enough time Fiona Shaw is heaven in this movie as a lover of the film Three Men and a Little Lady I was very (laughs) happy to see her come back You might know her from Killing Eve, so she's on a bit of a hot streak at the moment, but she does have that trunchbullness about her. Big time, big time. I think that she's, like, got that perfect level of humorous menace in this as well, where you're just like, you love to hate this person. And why are you leading a school of young women when clearly (laughs) you hate people? Susie, before we wrap up our discussion on Enola Holmes, I want to ask you, who should watch this movie? Alexia, I'm going to be honest with you. I think there is a little bit of something for everyone. I think there is adventure. There is mystery. There are these beautiful mother-daughter themes in it. There is this classic story that's been adapted. 
adopted into this beautiful English countryside that moves into grubby London, which mm. you know I love. You love it. I love it. The cast is incredible. Uh, the timing of this feminist film is perfect. Um, I think that there's something for everyone. This kind of encapsulates the perfect thing a family movie should be. Yes. There's something in there for everyone. And especially if you yourself are a parent or someone with young people in your life and you love stuff like Fleabag, you love stuff like Killing Eve, you love detective stories, this is a great movie to kind of introduce a young person to your taste and to these like bigger stories. You want to shape a young person's <laughs> taste to be just like yours. It's a great starting off point. So if you're listening to this right now and you're going, Alexi, Susie, I could not agree with you more. You've shaped my movie taste. Then maybe you want to follow us on Spotify and comment wherever you get your podcasts because this little baby will be in your feed every single Tuesday. Before we dig into desserts, Susie, I want to cleanse our palates with a little comedic-based game. <laughs> now, this is a game that I have played with my friends in the past as I am a film expert. This is a game called Film or Movie. Film or Movie is a game where these two film buffs, you and I, put their emotions to the test and declare whether a title is either a film or or a movie. But, but, Alexi, what is the difference? These are two di very different words to describe something similar but vastly different. A movie is entertainment. It's popcorn. It's comfort. And a film? A film. That's art, baby. <laughs> I'm talking themes. I'm talking existentialism. I'm talking ennui. I'm talking about the human condition okay. being explored through the cinematic arts. I understand the game. Let's play. So Michael here, our producer, has prepared a title that he wants to find out whether it's a film or if it's a movie. Hello, producer Michael. Hello. The motion picture of the week. It's another <laughs> raucous detective story. One of the most iconic ones. It's Scooby-Doo colon the movie. Oh, my word. You're trying to play tricks on me by bringing something called Scooby-Doo colon the movie. This is a film. This is about Ooh. the tragedy of... A peroxide hair colour gone wrong. <laughs> this is about a beautiful man called Freddie Prince Jr. Mm. who has taken on a role as Fred and had to say farewell to his delicious mm. brunette locks. Yeah. Um, it's a tragedy in many ways. And I think the fact that he's called Fred in the movie must have felt so resonant for him. Yeah. Every time someone's calling him Fred, he's like, oh, that's me. That really is it me. It really so is me. So it's kind of like a, it's a self-exploration. It's a mystery of, mm. of, um, of identity. It is, yeah, sure, it's set on Spooky Island and mm. there is hijinks involved. But I think that this is a piece of art that not only explores Freddie Prince Jr. and his adventures of hair colour, but, but it's really about how we're all in many ways a dog that can't articulate their feelings. Wow. Wow. My life as a dog. Yeah. And that dog's name is Scooby-Doo. Yeah, that's right. I would declare the opposite of this. I'm shocked. Tragically, I would say Scooby-Doo, colon, the movie is just as the title says. Wow. It's a freaking movie. And here's my main reason why. It has got a remix version of the classic Scooby-Doo Where Are You song <laughs> as sung by reggae artist Shaggy. And no, I'm not talking about Scooby's friend. I'm talking about the You're reggae about artist. Bombastic himself. Yes, the guy who said it wasn't me. <laughs> well, guess what? This time it was him. I'm lifting up the head. I'm lifting up that mask. And who's underneath it? It's Shaggy, Mr. Bombastic. Okay, that's your argument, but it's not for us to decide. It's up to producer Michael, and it will be every week. Producer Michael, film or movie. It is a film, but Susie, 
It's not for any of the reasons you said, unfortunately. <laughs> it is because I have just found a fun fact online. Scrappy Doo's real name is Scrappy Cornelius Doo. <laughs> It's a film, baby. (laughs) There's no arguing with that. It's official. Scooby-Doo the movie is renamed from henceforth. Scooby-Doo, colon, the film. Alexi, our dessert today is something that is very close to your heart and also very close to my heart. For dessert, we want to recommend a movie today for some extra viewing that encapsulate a lot of the themes and, weirdly enough, stylistic choices of Enola Holmes as well. The movie today is one of our shared favourites. It is Looking for Alibrandi. Oh, in case you're wondering, this is Tomato Day. A movie that has shaped us both as people and film lovers. It has this beautiful mother-daughter relationship in it, which Mm. is not dissimilar to Enola Holmes. I could just look at you right now. Mm. Are you tearing up? I'm tearing up. It's my favourite movie of all time. Like you said, the mother-daughter relationship is so well done. They both have like these really like fun, spunky, irreverent narrators that uh, like the narration throughout the entire movie and it's done in such a way. I feel like the movies end in almost the exact same way. Oh, can't give that away. I can't give that away. The story is about Josephine Alibrandi who is trying to find herself coming of age film. It's set in Australia, it's so mm. close to my heart still. Yes. I feel like I read the book, loved it, watched the movie, loved it even more, which yeah. is very rare. I have such a strong personal connection to it because I think it really speaks to that idea of representation in film where if you see something that feels like your reflection looking back at you, Mm. it just feels so powerful and so special and there's not a movie that does it more personally for me because I see that movie, I see Pia Miranda as like this high schooler in Sydney at that time living in like this like diaspora community. I'm like, that's my life. That's what my life was like exactly growing up as a little Greek boy in the same house as my mom and my yaya. It feels like such an accurate representation of what three different generations of evolution of migrant life in Australia feels like. I genuinely couldn't agree with you more. I I think I've cried every single time I've Mm. seen this film. Just memories of growing up with your grandmother, of being this immigrant child, of having that, like, it wasn't tomato day for us, it was Lebanese pizza Mm. day in the outdoor oven. For me it was Dolmati day. And and I could not think of a better day than Dolmati day. I mean, we're talking about what an authentic experience this film is. Mm. And it's coming from two people that lived it. So it's such a beautiful movie. Share it with your friends and family if you haven't watched it in some time or if you've never seen it before. It's one of the all-time great Australian films that speaks to a very specific Australian experience. And the other theme it really captures is that there is a mystery at the heart of that film as well. A family mystery. Mm, Yes. Just like Enola Holmes. So, yes, it does sound like that we shoehorned in our favourite movie as the <laughs> as the recommendation for this first episode, but we proved why it should be. Yes, we justified it. Will we do it again? Almost definitely. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be deserved many, many times in the future. I think it is also a really great way for us to bring up that you have met Pia Miranda and mm. it was an excellent experience in your life. I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I met her in a professional setting and I was like, the movie meant so much to me. Can you please find the book that I stole from my high school? And I just started crying. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> Enola Holmes is a genre mashup, so if you're looking for a little bit more adventure, I highly recommend Kick-Ass. If you're looking for a bit more female empowerment, can you go past Mulan? The answer is no. <laughs> if you want a bit more hijinks and mistaken identity, then Shakespeare in Love is what came to mind for Ooh, me. A classic. That is a good pick a for great this. great film. And to round off our petite four of dessert, <laughs> our, our extra recommendations here, I have to say that the Doco RBG is mm. the 
most wonderful film I have seen in the last 10 years that I have probably watched 10 times yeah. um, in honour of that incredible feminist icon. That is it for today's feast. And let me tell you, I have had my elegant sufficiency of food <laughs> film today. I have unbuttoned the top of my jeans. <laughs> I am walking around the block. This is hurting, but I loved it. I'm waddling away from the buffet table. <laughs> Let's just recap the menu today. We started with Matilda. We moved on to Enola Holmes, our film du jour. And then we finished with a dessert that is close to both of our hearts, the cinematic tiramisu that is looking <laughs> for Ella Brandy. Well, Susie, as we look off as that plane flies away, it truly does look like this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. We have been friends for quite a few years now, so... This looks like the continuation of a beautiful friendship. I agree. But if you want to hear more movie talk from me specifically, you can head over to Total Reboot. It's a film podcast. I host my friend Cameron James all about reboots, remakes. So obviously, Susie, I do love remakes, which is why I am so excited and tantalised by next week's film Du Jour, which is a remake of an absolute iconic queer cinema classic, The Boys in the Band. It's a film adaptation of the latest revival of that classic play, and it has such a great cast of contemporary actors like Zachary Quinto, Jim Parsons, Matt Bomer, to name a few. Cannot wait for this film. This episode was hosted and written by Alexi Toliopoulos and Susie Youssef. It was produced by Michael Sun and Anu Hasbold, edited by Jeffrey O'Connor, executive produced by Tony Broderick and Melanie Marnie. What a good bunch of eggs. 